Welcome to Why in the World. My name is Ben Shepherd. From the Manchester hairdressing scene to a successful running coach, it's been quite the journey for Gary House, who's seen the running world change through the years. He's also a competitive and successful runner himself who's taken on some of the biggest and toughest races in the world. Gary House is on Why in the World. Gary, how are you, man? Good. Thanks, Ben. Yeah. Why is running something that you love? When did you first discover it? And when did it first like play a massive part in your life? I ran a bit in high school, but that was mainly because I didn't know it then, but I guess I was naturally okay at it, so it would get me out of lessons. So I would <laughs> <laughs> kind of qualify for county things and things like that. But our school wasn't that big on running. It was football and rugby. I was average at football, but got carried by everyone else. So I just <laughs> played football until I was about 20, 21, three times a week matches. My teams were pretty good. So the people around me were really good. I was average at best. <laughs> Didn't run at all until I was about 21, 22, when I moved to Manchester. Moved to Manchester, couldn't afford a gym or anything like that. So just started running down the canal. <laughs> and that was kind of a pair of Nike Air Max, my football kit, and ran down the canal for about 45 minutes, and <laughs> I just thought, this is horrendous. <laughs> so why did you keep going? Well, because I couldn't afford the gym, was the main thing. <laughs> um, yeah, I didn't know anyone in Manchester, but so it was it was almost like killing time as well. I was kind of finishing work. I had, I had quite a bit of spare time, and I would just go and run down the canal. On the back of it, I entered a race in Leicester, because there was a girl down there that I was wanted to go and see. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, and that was kind of it. So we'd met each other. I was living in Manchester. She was in uni in Leicester. And there was a half marathon. So I thought, if I enter that, then I'll have to stay over. <laughs> and that was kind of... <laughs> that, was the, that was it. And I did all right in that. Well, what I thought was all right. What, in the staying over or in the race? Yeah, uh, well, we're married now. So we <laughs> <laughs> <So> both. <laughs> yeah, so... Yeah, it was kind of just went from one thing to another, both situations, I guess. Did all right, but I was—I just remember all these old men going past me in the last kind of 5K. And from that point, I was like, right, I need to figure out why there's all these old men going past me. And that was kind of it. I did, did an ultramarathon for charity within about three to four months of that, I think. Oh, wow. Just because I thought I needed something big enough to do for this charity that I wanted to do for and I wasn't really into the road running that much Mm. Uh, although the half marathon was a road run the ultra kind of scene back then was really weird I was just reading blogs on email on websites rather than there was no real Facebook or anything and again it was just like all these old guys just meeting up for (laughs) a run (laughs) and it was like 56 miles so I thought right I'll do that and that was it from there it's just kind of progressed yeah well I didn't really realise then but if I entered an ultramarathon back then I would finish quite high up in the list but that was just because there was nobody there (laughs) really (laughs) whereas I entered a half marathon and it wasn't it was nothing special so like my ego got boosted by finishing high up the list so then it was ultramarathons that kind of thought right I can be better at ultramarathons. Running is kind of like your life now. Like your work is revolved around running. Your life is revolved around running. When did your life actually become heavily involved with running? 
people around me know, but at the time when I was in Manchester, I was working, I was in hairdressing, so I was a hairdresser. But even then I was running quite a lot and the running started kind of getting in the way of social life of being a hairdresser. I didn't want to go out and get drunk and things like that or spend the weekend getting wasted because because the running was getting better. Then people were coming to me for advice and things like this. Any spare minute I was I was learning about running, reading books, kind of listening to things, watching YouTube, and a lot of it was rubbish, but then I was learning lots as well. Just read book after book after book. So then when people were asking me for advice, it just naturally happened. I first started kind of getting into that world. I worked as a personal trainer then, so I was already working, helping people. I thought I need to get some kind of qualification. So, so I got a personal trainer qualification. But then even then in the gyms, I was just helping runners. Mm. So doing running movement technique and things like this. Um, I'd been on a bunch of courses that was like human movement courses and things like this. Back then again, it was all the born to run and ultra marathon. I was kind of just going down that black hole. My personal training business took off, but they were all runners. I was reluctant to, I mean, I didn't call myself a run coach for years. I was just a personal trainer in a gym. But then I'm like nine stone walking around the weight section. It was just <laughs> runners that was uh, attracted to me. All these monsters just deadlifting and you're there just uh, thinking, yeah, yeah maybe pretty, this isn't me. Well, it was pretty good at the time because it was like, there was me, five other lads, no, no girls working in there. The lads were all massive. So anyone that didn't want to do that was coming to me it made my life easy the very comical star photo I'd imagine yeah it was easy to get on with them because I wasn't they weren't threatened mm. I used to send people to them but then they used to send runners to me and it was quite a good working relationship whereas I moved away from that and went outside on my own quite quickly really was that scary then that sort of transition between obviously being a hairdresser having that income going to something else that you didn't really know and you didn't really start till your your early 20s and then obviously starting your own business as well and doing all that that must have been quite a a scary process in your 20s to do that yeah it it was but then again like Charlotte my wife now she'd just finished uni kind of I'd I had this job but then we were living separate kind of locations so we moved back and we act- I actually moved in with her parents and she got a full-time job and I, ju- I was just I got a full-time job out of hairdressing in a bank kind of thing for, for a few months just to pay for this qualification and go and do that we, mm. didn't, we didn't have any responsibilities so we didn't have a house we didn't have kids so it wasn't that much of a risk mm. the only risk was that now I was in like a bit of a dead-end job and I always knew people can stay in that dead end job mm, if they're not careful. You just careful. wanted to get out. Yeah, so at lunchtimes I was reading the running books and things like this. So I was running to work and running back from work. Yeah, so I was always trying to jump straight back out of that job. Mm. You help so many people now as well in your business, which if people don't know about, give it a shout out. Yeah, I guess, well, the Run Strong or the Run Strong Club, it's evolved over the years. It started off as a local group and now we've got people... Australia, New Zealand, Hmm. all over the world, yeah. Helping people, is that something that you feel really rewarded by? Uh, Yes. (laughs) Yeah, so I spent a long time trying to teach or coach or help good runners. You call them good runners. Um, I found it very difficult. It was like banging your head against a brick wall. It's a bit easier these days because people are open to the coaching. Hmm. But then it was really difficult. What I did find good was... 
coaching people to run their first 5k or 10k or mile so that my coaching business to begin with was about 100 local mainly women over 30 that would I was just coach I was using the same kind of techniques that you would coach a very good athlete to to beginners basically and watching them run a first mile or first 5k that was what was kind of rewarding Mm. not trying to get Dave down the run club to kind of run slightly different because they just didn't want to know they don't want this kind of young lad coming in and telling them they were running wrong or or anything like that it's that pride I suppose is it a little bit yeah um, you'd get guys joining the group and they'd try and race me up a hill and things like this where you just didn't get that <laughs> it's just it's just a guy thing you didn't get that with women really it's just but then it did evolve and there's the split was pretty much 50-50 because they started bringing husbands and things like this. Mm. The women were getting really good results, so naturally the husbands wanted to know what was going on, I guess. <laughs> and they all joined. So when you see one of your clients or someone you've been coaching for a little bit finish a race and you know getting a PB or doing what they wanted to do, do you get a sense of pride from that? Yeah, I do. Um, like I don't really get nervous about my own running. The racing, is it's nice and everything, but I just love the training part more than anything always have done whereas now with my coaching there's people taking on massive challenges it's not like 5k's 10k's it's massive five day ultras there's a lady Sharon that's just done 400 milers and things like this and I feel the pressure when it comes to the weekend and I know I've got a couple of my runners have got things that mean that it's, it's a massive deal for mm. them so yeah it does when they come out the other end of it sometimes it doesn't work out and a lot of the time it does so I find that now more nerve-wracking than my own racing you mentioned that you enjoy training more than racing a lot of people are the other way around they enjoy racing and don't really want to do the training which is obviously a bit of an issue (laughs) yeah (laughs) in your own life in terms of your own running career what have been the the highlights and the lowlights throughout the years that you've been running there's a few the first I entered a 24-hour race a long time ago. It was the second ever Thunder Run. So if people are into ultra running, they'll know the Adidas Thunder Run back then. Didn't have a clue what I was doing and ran 96 miles. And that to me then, I'd never ran... I'd ran 50 miles or something. But then that made me think, like, how far can you run kind of thing? That was just ridiculously massive to me. And then since then, I've ran a lot further in the same amount of time. But that feeling then... Mm that kind of the first time you do something that's so far removed from what you think you could do that's kind of a different feeling to running fast or mm. getting a, a PB because they, they become f- few and far between the more you run really but those kind of first feelings are really good and then fast forward to kind of this year I did the Dragon's Back which was five days across Wales in the mountains and that was quite different because I was prepared to do really well at that I was confident that I could do really well and challenge not win it necessarily but challenge in the top 10 and top 5 possibly and it went well until it didn't go well kind of thing and then it completely changed into uh, I have to kind of get this finished because my family were travelling down to South Wales and I had completely different reasons to finish than when I kind of started with Um, so again I finished the 5 days but the 5th day I was basically limping around and it was just the most pain I've ever been in for about 14 hours. But then there's like videos of me, like the kids ran over and saw my wife and things like that. So again, that was, that's a massive, it was a massive low light 
and ho- highlight at the same, the same time. time. You mentioned that everything changed at a certain point. What was that point? <laughs> day one had gone pretty well. Uh, day two had gone really well. Day three was pretty average. And my expectations of the race had changed for a start. So it was kind of a bit more of a circus than I imagined. It was busier than I imagined. And that's partly my fault, I guess, didn't do the research. But it wasn't the kind of journey across Wales that I had imagined, which was fine. When it sta- when I stopped being able to compete was on day four. I was just running across um, some, some wild terrain, these tussocks, so it's quite tight kind of uh, heather and mm. m- really horrible stuff. I just felt a sharp pain in my shin not one that I'd had before tried to run it off and I'd say within 15 minutes I basically just couldn't walk I was sat on the side of a rock and I finished that day there's about 15k to finish and then you have to kind of go to sleep get prepared for the next day what I know I had ended up with compartment syndrome in my leg which means there's just no blood flow to the to, to the ligaments or the tendons it was massively ballooned so that day five I woke up knowing I might not finish the whole thing now and it's probably not the wisest idea to even start the day because walking from the tent to the toilet I was like balancing on a stick that kind of thing and you've got 55k to try and get back to the finish but then at the same time there was never a point where I was kind of I can't not do it because even before I'd started people were driving down to see me at the finish so you just get going but it was definitely a mindset change because, like, I'll be honest, I've got, I was getting, I think we'd counted the ladies in the tent, like the the, um, the organisation tent, there was over 100 messages waiting for me to print off. You could print off messages, which was massive. It was a lot of people following me. In my head, everyone was expecting me to do well, and then it wasn't. It was just like, I can't even run. Hmm. Um, so it was quite difficult, and it was disappointing, but at the same time... Yeah, it was it was a great feeling finishing as well. How do you accept that in your head then? Because obviously you're feeling, oh, I'm kind of letting these people down. One, if I don't finish, and two, they thought that I was going to do well. How is that a process that you get through? Yeah, I never really thought I was letting them down because, again, everyone that I coach and all that kind of thing, they'd have been, they're just happy to see me doing the running, I guess. It's extrinsic and intrinsic motivations, and they can change. So the intrinsic is, would you be doing the training for this event if you if nobody was watching if there was no facebook no instagram if it was dark and it was raining and all that kind of thing yeah would you be able to do what you want to do if there was no outside kind of applause and no profile pictures on instagram and things like that on the other side of that the extrinsic is external motivation so that is kind of it might be winning it might be all this other stuff like Mm. likes on instagram and all that kind of thing and it's not to say that one's better than the other but you have to know which one you're kind of looking for. Which one do you look for? It remains intrinsic, as in my motivation to do events or the training, it's always because I want to do it, yeah? If I don't do it, then I'm grumpy or I'm miserable and and all that kind of stuff. But then it's never black and white, so I still like if I, I've been lucky enough to win races and things like this. So that's amazing. And, and at the same time, if I've got a sniff of winning a race or doing well then extrinsic factors come in because I think if if I push on now then you've got different reasons to win Do you think you'll ever stop? I won't stop running unless unless my legs won't let me Yeah, I've got no reason to stop right now People say, how do you stay motivated and things like this and that's, that's a big question but it's rarely that I have to really motivate myself to go and run 
I've got a coach that sets me sessions and things, but and sometimes I have to motivate myself to do specific sessions. But I never have to motivate myself to run because I've just not never reached that point. If I have to motivate myself to enter a race or coach even, then I just I probably wouldn't do it. Why um, do you run? Well, like I said at first, I thought it was because like when I moved to Manchester and didn't know anyone, but I need a couple of hours, three, four hours on my own. Like mm. I love being around the family and I love being around people but at the same time I kind of I need those hours on my own and I'm crap at meditating so I just (laughs) (laughs) so and that's the other thing people have tried to get me into meditating and things like this but I think if I'm I'm running for three or four hours quite regularly just with the dog so that is kind of that is meditating for me. I was just going to say, it's kind of like a meditation, isn't it? It's just a, it's just a different way of meditation. You're not sitting down cross-legged on the floor humming. You're out yeah, running. It's, just a it's like that form m- of it. Movement um, meditation. And again, I don't really think about much when I'm out. People are like, well, what, what do you think about? And it's, well, I don't really think about anything. That's a, that's almost the, that's point. the point. That's why I like it. There's other reasons. Like when I was younger, I would be going out three, four nights a week and all this kind of stuff. If I went out to drink, I would drink to. I fell asleep. If I went out and danced, it would be the same thing. So with running, I think it takes a lot of that energy away. You know, like there's lots of people with bigger problems than me out there, but I think this keeps me quite safe. Have you got one of those personalities, you think, that you're kind of an all-in person? I am, yeah. Yeah, to a point. And I, I never use that, like people say, you've got an addictive personality, but I think too many people just jump on that these days. Like Again, I, it's I've got... got such a negative connotation, that as well. Yeah, I, I don't... Something's addictive. And I, yeah, exactly, and... Yeah, and I know people with real addictions, and I think it's almost like a disservice, or kind of, it's it's not an addictive personality. It's like, if I don't run tomorrow, I'm not going to be, mm. <laughs> nothing's going to happen, nothing's bad's going to happen. But, yeah, like you say, if I'm doing it, I'm doing it well, hopefully. Mm. In terms of you, and in terms of what you'd like to do in the future, is there certain races, is there certain things that you've got in your head that you want to achieve? It changes a lot, really. And it mixes up with what I'm maybe naturally better at compared to what I want to do because I enjoy it. I enjoy being in the mountains and things like this, but then I get better results out of the mountains maybe. (laughs) But yeah, in future, like next year, it's all geared to the mountains again, being a bit more specific with that. There's races like Tour de Giants and things, which Mm. are long races in Italy. And I've never been to the UTMB weekend, which the whole week sounds not my kind of idea but then again just to experience that kind of thing that's what I'm going to go to next year it's a bit like when I'll be honest I don't like London I hate London but then if I go there for a day to experience that I quite enjoy it that's kind of my version what don't you like about that circus because you kind of mentioned that a couple of times the UTMB obviously is that big circus there's a lot of people there I personally think I'm quite lucky because I got into running early enough before social media and everything and again, I was lucky enough that I was coaching quite successfully before social media. I've experienced all that, going to a race where it's just off the back of some weird dodgy website kind of thing, turning <laughs> up, not knowing what you're going to expect. But you can still do that. I mean, if you try and enter a race in Italy, it's still, you need a degree in Italian kind of thing just to <laughs> just try and try enter and the through. thing. And you've got no idea when you turn up, but that's what I enjoy. Big commercial races are still great. They're great to get everyone involved and things like that. It's not that... I hate them or anything. Like I said, I'm going to go and do like a UTMB race and all these big marquee races. But again, I still think everyone should still be experiencing whether it's a five quid fell race in this country or 
out in France and Italy where they're they're massive races, but they're, there's no kind of thrills to them. Again, it's I suppose those intrinsic <laughs> and extrinsic factors yeah. that we spoke about before. Talk to me about vitamin G. Yeah, uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> I used to send people videos and things like this in my coaching group, and then I kind of got dared to put one on Facebook. Put one on Facebook about two years ago, and I just remember that getting about hundred people liking it, kind of thing, and it was compared to kind of nothing so it kind of snowballed from there there is the business side behind of it as well as facebook was growing as instagram was growing all i kept seeing was people putting themselves on social media and to be honest they were either boring or <laughs> the information was crap this is one thing i do love about your instagram and if you don't know by the way um Gary posts these videos on his Instagram and captions them, get more vitamin G and stuff yeah. like that. So go and check them out. But he is very honest. You're very honest on Instagram. Yeah. Which I think people really like. Yeah, I mean, Facebook came first and then Instagram was, yeah, just because more people started going on Instagram. Uh, but I, again, I'm lucky enough to know lots of funny people in running. Lots of people that probably know a lot more than me in running as well, but they're not on social media the ones that are on social media that just yeah I'm trying <laughs> trying to watch my tongue in it it's not my podcast but yeah <laughs> they weren't the right people that should be having a voice if that makes sense so it's not that I was just doing it to be to, to cause a problem or anything like that it was just like look this is my opinion uh, this is my view and I think people appreciate it and there's, sometimes I might get it wrong or sometimes it's not to everyone's taste but it's not meant to be really do you think there's a lot of fakery in the running slash endurance community less so in the running community it's just all on social media you turn up to a race and it's not like that in all honesty but I've only got 60 seconds to get someone's attention so yeah I kind of over exaggerate stuff but again there's people are learning through social media now mm. and there's people with either big followings or just big mouths giving out information that's just got it's just got a bit ridiculous from someone who's got a obvious education in running and has learnt a lot and has read a lot and has listened a lot and knows what they're doing how do you feel about like people using online trainers and things like that that have no I mean they just seem very blanket just like one size fits all type thing my coaching business is 90% online now but I resisted it for a very long time like my coach, I've got a coach, Martin Cox, and like what he knows about running is times 10. But then, like you said, now anyone can call themselves an online coach. It's like when I was a personal trainer, I didn't want to call myself a personal trainer because anyone could be a personal trainer. And I knew I was kind of better than a lot of people. Yeah. That was just how it was. And then when I became a coach, I called myself a coach. Now it's like I almost don't want to call myself an online coach because every bugger's doing it. And there are some good ones, but like, I know how people work, and like I'm lucky to have a lot of friends, um, and it's quite tight knit. So I chat with people on WhatsApp that I know that are really, are really clued up, and we mm. all chat to each other. When then to the other side of it, you've just got to be a bit careful, really, I guess. I know you said you don't think about anything when you're out there running, but when you're in the mountains, how does it feel? What does it bring you? I still get that feeling of, of like it wows me kind of thing on runs it's just different for me like I know for running fast and getting a PBs and things I know people still get that rush same rush which which is great for me it's like if I run around the corner and there's a, a view that I've not seen 
that still wows me. Just experience and things like that, that won't change. I guess if I couldn't run, I'd be, still be walking around and doing the same thing. <laughs> All the great things that I've seen wouldn't have happened if, I've, if I wasn't a runner. And I always kind of think back to that. If I go on holiday and I go and run for an hour, I wouldn't have seen that hour's worth of that country mm. if I wasn't a runner. So I just think I'm really lucky, or you, anyone that runs is really lucky. They can see so much more. You mentioned your kids before as well. Do you think it's something you'll be encouraging them to do, or is it just kind of a, a choice thing with them, do you think? Oh, it won't be a choice. No, they'll have to do it. <laughs> <laughs> That's exactly the answer yeah. I wanted. I'm married to a drama teacher, so they've got... Yeah, so they're... <laughs> They're going to have to be a runner, I think. Okay. So you take <laughs> running over acting any day, would you? Yeah, well, I'm just a frustrated actor, I guess. Oh, are you? Yeah, no. Um, <laughs> well, I just grew up loving comedy and things like this, and I, sometimes I'll still get messages saying, like, you're copying the fast show or you're copying whatever. And it's like, well, I'm not copying them. I've spent 20 years constantly <laughs> watching them. You get influenced, don't you? If I speak to someone with a with an accent, all of a sudden I start, I'm from Scotland and I've been with them for five minutes. <laughs> I just latch on to things like that. So yeah, with, the, with my kids, I think it's just that thing and you can only lead by example. One of the things that I always think about your Instagram is when I see the videos of you doing little things on your runs out and about in the North Wales countryside, I think, have you ever been caught doing one of these videos <laughs> by somebody else? Well, yes, is the honest answer, <laughs> yeah. Um, like up up in the woods there, you you probably know on Clandegla, it's just a ma- it's mountain bike kind of mecca. But then I don't really mind. It's like no, they don't care what I'm up to. But then a lot of the time I'm just in the middle of absolute nowhere, so I I'm quite confident that nobody's gonna gonna see what I'm doing. There's a recent one with your you. I mean you're you're throwing some interesting shapes. Yeah, yeah. Very interesting dance moves. Yeah. If somebody caught you doing that, what? Is it's this guy easy, right? But it's Does easy, too many ram- energy gels? It's only just ramblers and things like this. And they t- <laughs> so I can quite, qu- I'm confident I can run quicker than them. So I just <laughs> grab the camera and, and, and scuttle off usually. There was one where I was kind of, I kept messing up what I was saying. <laughs> and I was, yeah, it was like the language wasn't great and all this kind of thing. But yeah, I, it, I was just on, on a ledge basically. And then when I looked down, there was a big massive group of rock climbers. <laughs> and I'd been there for about 15 minutes, talking to myself, dancing, all sorts. And they were literally just 10 foot underneath me the whole time. Dude, yeah, it does happen. But What's then this guy doing? People that know me, it's kind of, yeah, I'm like that in real life, I guess. Mm. But yeah, I'm still confident most of the time no one will see me because <laughs> I know where I am. You've obviously been doing this for a little minute now and there must have been some times where you haven't been able to run because of injury. How have you kind of dealt with that? The longest in the last probably five years is two weeks or something that I've had zero running. Oh, wow, um, okay. Yeah, just one or two injuries. Saying that I did <laughs> broke both elbows. That stopped me from running. Yeah, that's probably the longest I've been out, actually. I mean, there's a story there. How did you manage to do that? Uh, it was the first time I took part in the Snowden Mountain Race, which is literally straight up the easiest way to the top and straight back down again. And on the way down, I tripped and basically landed in a handstand position, <sighs> broke both elbows. But I didn't know I'd broken my arms because there was nothing sticking out. So you just kind of carry on. And then when the adrenaline wore off, it was quite clear that I'd done some damage. Yeah, yeah. it wasn't the next day until, yeah, well, she was my girlfriend then. She was like, right, you've got to go to hospital. 
because I hadn't slept with pain and things, but they were just stuck in one position. <laughs> how how do you recover from that? Is it a sling job? Just or two it? slings, yeah. Um, <laughs> the, like the doctors were grabbing all the doctors off the ward and all the nurses to come and have a look because they couldn't believe no, they'd not really met anyone that managed to break both elbows before. Yeah, I don't. I, um, mountain bikers get it a lot, apparently. Well, not coming lot, off the but, front. Yeah, yeah. It's like if you imagine you have to land in a ha- handstand position. And it's the impact through there. So I basically chipped the top of both um, my radius bone off completely. Yeah, so that was probably 10 weeks of just being in slings and having my food chopped up for me. How do you deal with that then? Because obviously you do use running as your your movement meditation. We've, we've spoken yeah, about that. Is uh, it hard? For the first two weeks, it was just painful. So it just wasn't really running wasn't it. really on the top of my mind. Then it was the summer holidays, I remember. If it wasn't the summer holidays and my wife wasn't a teacher, I'd have struggled. Because, mm. like, <laughs> if you can imagine, the only thing I could do was wipe my own ass, basically, because <laughs> it was stuck in the right position. <laughs> that was <laughs> that was it. Everything else, everyone else had to do stuff for me. So it wasn't really a problem because if you hurt your leg or anything, you want to get back running. Whereas if you hurt your arms, there's not a lot. You, <laughs> not a lot, a lot you I could do. do. Yeah, and it was it was the London Olympics actually. So I had four weeks of just sat on the sofa. You could watching, have done it worse, though, couldn't you? Olympics, yeah. I want to steal your coach head before we finish up. If someone's listened to this and and they've they've never been out on the road before, or they've never run a trail, or even put a pair of running shoes on, what would be your advice to them? Yeah, I would say just switch yourself off a bit to kind of social media. I know it's like social media is brilliant, but people want to overanalyze things before they start the best way to start is just to get started yeah and again I might take the mick out of clubs sometimes but a running club or a running group it's so easy these days to meet up with people I would just get out and get started it will be probably horrendous the first couple of times uh, <laughs> but then you don't really know where it might take you it's horrendous for me the first time mm. yeah and now it's basically my whole business and life kind of thing mm. Like I said, it's there's nothing better than seeing something you would never have seen before. I would just get started, yeah, and ask for, ask for help when needed, but in the right places. Without running, what would you not have? It's the experiences, really, which I know, again, it's kind of... A lot of people will say that, but I've been to lots of different countries through different races. I've met lots of good people. I now don't have to work in an office. I work from home coaching people, and I just make these stupid videos <laughs> kind of thing which there is meaning behind them and they draw attention to me which is the whole meaning behind it really and it's not like I get up every day and think right, I have to go to work anymore it's just I, I train because I want to train and I want to put myself out there mm. but I'll never be the best runner I'll never be breaking world records but there's not many people that can do that I'm a lot happier running because I'm basically unemployable for stuff. <laughs> I need to be self-employed. <laughs> and I can't build walls, so it's either running or, or that. I mean, I could not think of a better place to finish. <laughs> Cheers, Gary. Appreciate it, buddy. No worries, Ben. Thank you. Massive thank you to Gary for sitting down and taking time to have that conversation. Uh, By the way, if you don't know, Gary does have his own podcast. Head to his Instagram to get all the links for that. It is absolutely brilliant. Very, very funny. And uh, Gary is a really, really good guy. So go and check that out as well. Uh, Give us a five-star rating. Give Gary a five-star rating as well on his podcast. A positive review would be amazing as well. And we'll be back in two weeks with another brand new episode.